following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how you can join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org. Good morning, IBC. So, um, the platform team and the other tech people that were here early this morning I noticed when I first came in, had a little bit of an inferiority complex. It's kind of like, why are we the ones that are here on the Sunday after Christmas, which is the lowest attended Sunday of the whole year? You know, are we like the second string? Do do we not matter? Are we not? And and I thought to myself, I was kind of thinking that myself as the preacher. You know, why did I get the Sunday when nobody comes? And then I began to realize, no, wait a second, you know, in biblical history, those who were part of a small group of people that others had left behind, you know what the the prophets called that small group of people that were left behind? Faithful small group of people? The righteous remnant. That is what you are. You are the righteous remnant. Our musicians, our tech people, your preacher... All the attendants, you are part of the righteous remnant. And as such, you are above average in every way. And you know it. So I welcome you on this Sunday. Also, um, whenever I consented to preach this Sunday, the the worst Sunday for preaching in the whole year at IBC, um, they gave me some strictures. You know, Andy, you know, it's it's just one service and it's short and kids are there and, and everything. And so your, your sermon needs to be shorter, you know, 28 minutes. And I said, okay. And I'm just here now to announce to you all that I just lied through my teeth when I said, okay. <laughs> this is my last sermon that I'm preaching as a paid staff member of IBC. Out of thousands of sermons I preached over the years at IBC, this is my last one. So I'm going to take as long as I want. <laughs> is that okay? Awesome. I'm glad you're with me because you got to sit through this. Anyway, so glad that you're here today because I think it really is a special day. As Aaron was saying, it's the day after Christmas and it's the day when a lot of us are let down because of the emotion and the joy of the the day before. But now we're after Christmas and it's over and it's past. But instead of looking at it as something that is over, I think we should look at today as the beginning of the future. As we look forward. And I want to do that while continuing in the Christmas stream. Okay? We had this wonderful series in Advent here at IBC called Rediscovering the Wonder. Were you here for that? Did you hear those messages? Rediscovering the wonder of who Jesus was in his identity. As, as the, the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. The greater son of David. Who would sit on the throne of David. Who would, uh, who would come and fulfill the new covenant of Jeremiah. That the law would be placed in our hearts. And not just on stone tablets. That he is the Messiah. Which is to say he is deity in flesh. And the wonder of that. That he is wonderful counselor. Almighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. That little baby. All of that. What a wonder. But there is another wonder that I wanted to talk about with you today. 
And it's a wonder that maybe you hadn't thought of as a wonder of Advent, as a wonder of Christmas. But I want you to see that it is perhaps the greatest wonder of all. And it's about Jesus. So I don't know how many of you saw the series that ended last year, the streaming series, God Friended Me. Did you see it? It It's a fabulous series. You have uh, Brandon Hall playing a, a really smart young DJ. Uh, he's, he's got a, a podcast called The Millennial Prophet. And uh, uh, Brandon's father is, is a pastor, but Brandon has forsaken the faith and gone away and become a full-on atheist. So the whole Millennial Prophet podcast is an atheistic podcast. He's gone away from the faith, doesn't even believe that God exists anymore. And so the series starts and he's making his podcast and he's smart, man. He's got all these followers and everything. And all of a sudden one day he notices on his account that he's been friended. His podcast has been friended and it's been friended by God. Okay. Now, obviously he thinks somebody's taken me to town. I don't believe this. I don't even believe in God. But as the series goes on, every episode, something pops up in Brandon's life and and, and in his own teaching on his podcast, his atheistic podcast, that makes him begin to wonder if this God that he formed a podcast to prove doesn't exist, actually does exist, and what's more, wants to be his friend. Wants to be his friend. This would be the greatest wonder in the world, I would say to you all. If a friend, you know, basic definition is a a friend is somebody who's with you and someone who is for you. Someone who's with you and someone who's for you. If that God that friended the millennial podcast you know, an atheist podcast, if that God actually does exist, and if that God actually wants to be our friend. If you were here at our Christmas Eve service, you heard that great old Christmas carol, O Holy Night. Remember that line in O Holy Night, the King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials born, what? To be our friend. You say, but Andy, uh, he's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the everlasting father. He's, he's the greater son of David. He's the Messiah. He's going to sit on the throne forever in the new heavens and the new earth. Born to be our friend. You see, this is one of the things that I believe we miss during Advent seasons when we're teaching about the, the divinity of Christ and the, and the miraculous circumstances of his birth and the, and the prophetic future that is before him. We, we talk about all of that and it, it, it seems to take him further and further away from us personally as Christians in this world. He's so big, he's so out there, and he is. And he doesn't stop being so big and so out there By being our friend. This is the greatest wonder. God can do more than one thing at the same time. He can be all of that. Jesus can be Messiah. He can be the son of God. 
he can also be our friend. That's what I want you to look at with me this morning. And I want you to carry this into the new year. That you're going into this new year with a friend at your side. A friend that maybe you have never thought of as such. But after today, I want to show you from scripture that you should think of him as such. You should think of Jesus as your friend. Okay, let's look at Matthew chapter 1. Do you have your device? Look on the screens. Jesus was born to be our faithful friend. If a friend is defined as somebody who is for us and somebody who is with us, Jesus was definitely born to be our faithful friend. Look at Matthew 1 verse 20. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua, Yeshua, which literally means God saves. God saves. Um, so, th- so, so, so just think of this. Uh, Jesus was named God saves, literally. So when he's growing up, every time Mary called him to dinner, he, she called, God saves, come to dinner. Time Joseph taught Jesus something about carpentry. He said, God saves, come over here. I want to give you a lesson. Every time Joseph wanted Jesus to feed the dog, he said, God saves, go feed the dog. It's like every time Jesus, Yeshua, the name was spoken, his mission and purpose in life was also spoken. God saves. God saves. Now, when I say that, you all have a picture in your mind of what saved means. God saves. The Lord saves. Yeshua. And probably most of you have this idea that the salvation of God that's endemic in Jesus' very name, Yeshua, the Lord saves, only means in a spiritual sense and an internal sense. That he saves us out of this broken world so that we can go to heaven when we die. That's salvation. That's what most of you think when you think of uh, sozo, which is the Greek term for salvation or save in the New Testament. But would you be surprised to learn that in all the uses of sozo, salvation, saved, God saves in the New Testament, especially when related to Jesus' names, a very small percentage of those usages have to do with eternal salvation. You know what the word save means broadly speaking? It means to make whole, to assist in difficulty, to, to, to give assistance and help through a time of trouble. And so whenever you like are at the mall at Christmas and it's Black Friday and you're, you're, you're in there to get some last minute gifts and you can't find a park and you cry out, Jesus, give me a park. You're very biblical in your prayer. 
You're asking him to save you in a way of assisting you in this difficulty. Or whenever you come out of the doctor's office with a diagnosis, you've got cancer. Jesus saved me. That's very biblical. You're not asking him to save your soul. You're asking him to bring healing to your body. And that's a perfectly legitimate usage of the word save. In other words, Jesus, the Lord saves, he saves us by coming into our brokenness in this world where we, yes, we need spiritual salvation for our souls for eternity. We need everyday salvation from the brokenness of our world to heal relationships, to give us encouragement, to bring us through. The Nicene Creed, one of the great creeds of the church, completed in 451, talks about this salvation of Jesus, Yeshua. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made for us men and for our salvation came down from the heavens and was made flesh of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became man. That little phrase in there, for us. That's what a friend is. A friend is someone who is for you and with you. Jesus' friendship bona fides are laid out in that little phrase, for us. For us. He came to be for us. And what did he do according to the Nicene Creed, according to the gospel, in order to ultimately be for us and to intercede for us and to plead for us with his holy heavenly father? Well, he said it himself in John fifteen thirteen: Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life one's friends see Jesus was born to be our friend and he said it himself the greatest thing I can do as your friend is to lay down my life for you so I ask you to think about Jesus mentality when he was on the cross and he was dying as the paschal lamb the, the sacrificial lamb upon whom God had placed the sins of the world and he bore our sins in his body on the tree. And theologians talk about this as the the doctrine of substitutionary atonement. Do you think, based on John 15, the quote I just gave you from Jesus, do you think that when Jesus was dying on the cross that he was thinking to himself, ah, the doctrine of substitutionary atonement. That's what I'm doing up here. No. Jesus said... Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. He was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. These are my friends. I'm laying my life down for them. See, he is for us. He came to do this for us. And he continues to want to do this for us. 
I mean, you look at Jesus, his relationship with his disciples in the New Testament. You, 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 see, you see him ministering for his people that are in a difficult jam or in their, they're in trouble. I think, I think about Jesus when he got in the boat, went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee with his disciples and halfway through a great storm, a great storm. The word there literally in the Greek is an earthquake in the sea. It was like a mega storm. And it was such that the disciples who were experienced sailors, they all knew they were going to die. And remember what happened? Jesus stood up in the middle of the storm and he interceded for them because that's what a friend does. A friend is for you. And he was for his friends and he commanded the storm to be still. And it immediately was. He was for his disciples in the storm. Guess what? He's for you in your storm. You going through a storm right now? My theory is that we're all going through a storm. The only different difference is one of degree. You know, how big is your storm? Is it just a little squall or is it an earthquake in the sea? We've all got stuff in our life that needs to be fixed. That we need his intercession for us to help us and to assist us. And to bring wholeness and healing. And like Jesus was there for his friends in the storm of their lives. He is there for you right this morning. In the storm of your life. Whatever it is. He's there. He's your friend. He's your friend. That's what friends do. I think of Jesus later, after his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, which all followed the infamous story of Peter's three denials, the house of Caiaphas. The disciples have gone back after the resurrection. They've they've gone back to Galilee. They're, They're back fishing again. Peter's leading them. I think Peter is leading them taken up fishing again because he's so ashamed of his denials. He's so broken by how he wimped out on Jesus that he doesn't consider himself worthy to be his disciple anymore. So he's gone back to fishing. Guess what? Jesus chases him. Jesus goes to Galilee and he gets Peter alone. And in that famous conversation, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. One affirmation for every denial, Jesus restored Peter. And he became the great apostle. Have you blown it? Do you live in some sense of disappointment, regret, shame in how you've let Jesus down? Your friend, Jesus, is pursuing you right now. He wants to come to you and be for you and intercede for you and bring you all the way back. Because that, my friends, is what friends do. So I'm going to date myself here. How many of you know Carol King's classic song, You've Got a Friend? Okay, this came out in 1971. <laughs> 1971, I'm 16. I'm a sophomore in high school. And this song from Carol King stuck in my brain. It stuck, sticks in my brain even to today. And I'm now 66. 
Listen to the words of, of, of Carol's wonderful song about friendship. And see if you don't think that based on what we've studied in John's gospel. That these could be Jesus words to you. Because he is your friend who is for you. Listen to her words. When you're down and troubled. And you need some love and care. And who doesn't ever not need that? And nothing, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me and soon I will be there to brighten up even your darkest night. You just call out my name and you know wherever I am, I'll come running to you to see you again. Winter, spring, summer or fall, all you have to do is call and I'll be there. Why? You got a friend and a friend is for you and I'm for you. So, Jesus is our friend because he came for us. But the second aspect of being a friend is to be with you, right? A a non-existent friend or an absent friend can hardly be turned a best friend because they're not with you. You need a friend to be with you. And Jesus came to be with us. As well as for us. Look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 22. All this took place. To fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Verse 23. The virgin will conceive. And give birth to a son. And they will call him. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. A friend is for us. A friend is with us. Jesus It's called Emmanuel, God with us. He is a friend because he is with us. Emmanuel, Hebrew, with. El, God. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is our friend. The God most high descended to become God most nigh. He's close with us. And I love the way the, pro, uh, uh, the Apostle John puts it in John 1.14. The word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us, with us. Eugene Peterson's the message says he moved into the neighborhood. Why do you move into the neighborhood? So you can be with people. You can be with them. Jesus is our friend because he is Emmanuel. He is with us. Moved into the neighborhood. And he promises through his disciples that having moved into the neighborhood, he's always going to be with us. Take you over to John 14, 1. Jesus has told his disciples he's going to die. He's going to go ahead of them. And they're worried that he's leaving them. He's not going to be with them anymore. And Jesus says these words, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be what? With me, where I am. You may be where I am. You may be with me because I want to be with you because a friend is with you. You. Jesus wants to be with his people. This is the great theme of all of scripture. God's desire to be with his people. From Genesis. To Revelation. It's a story. Of how God's going to make that happen. 
He's going to be with us. Jesus wants to be with us. He wanted to be with people when he was on this earth. And he, he, he went out of his way to be with people. I think of John 4. Remember, Jesus uh, puzzles his disciples because he's, he's going uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, well, he, actually, he's... He's going from Galilee down to Jerusalem and the, he, he, he takes an unusual route through Samaria where good Jews never went through Samaria because those were not nice people. And Jesus says to his disciples, we're going through Samaria. And he leads them right down there, goes to this well in the middle of the day. His disciples going to town to get food and here comes the woman at the well in John 4. Jesus reveals himself to and essentially tells her, look, I made a detour out of my way to come for you because I wanted to be with you. How many of you know the detours that Jesus has made to come to you? He has. He wants to be with you. Just like he wanted to be with his disciples. All through the gospels you see Jesus taking his disciples. Saying, hey, let's, let's go out here and just have a little R&R together. He just wanted to be with them. How many of you know that Jesus just wants to be with you? If you're his follower, he has found you and he's with you. He wants to be with you more. He longs for the times when you could get away with him and just be with him because he wants to be with you. Because that's what friends do. They spend time together. And so Carol again channels Jesus. Now ain't it good to know that you've got a friend. When people can be so cold they'll hurt you, yes, and desert you. And take your soul if you let them, but oh, don't you let them. You just call out my name and you know wherever I am, I'll come running, running to see you again. Because he wants to be with you. Because he is your friend. So this is the story of the whole gospel, if you will, my friends. Jesus came to our place. He took our place. And now he invites us back to his place. To be with him. I wonder if you've ever accepted his invitation. So, this is the story from scripture. Matthew, Isaiah, several places in John. It's the story of how Jesus came to be the everlasting father. The wonderful counselor of the everlasting father. The prince of peace. All of that. But also our faithful friend. I think that's the biggest miracle of all. He came to be with us in all things, for us through all things. That's what a friend does. Let me ask you who follow him. What kind of friend have you been to him? This is where it gets convicting, okay? You knew I was going to go here at some point. Let me tell you a story to my great shame, of the worst being a good friend to a faithful friend 
in my whole life. Okay? So, the year is 1978. I've graduated from college. I took a youth pastorate out in Seattle, Washington, Tacoma. And um, I was engaged to the lovely Alice Thornton to be married that August. So I went up there, started the youth ministry, came back to Texas in August to marry the, the fair Alice and take her off into glory. And, um, and so with me uh, flying, not with me, but at the same time, was my former college roommate at Wheaton College, Tim, Tim Labadee. And Tim was from Detroit, and he was, he was my best friend. He was the best man. And I had asked him to be the best man in my wedding. And, uh, of course, he was back in Detroit. Uh, I was out in Tacoma, but we both flew in to, to Texas for the wedding. So um, the idea was that uh, Tim would fly in at such and such a place, uh, such and such a, a date and time to DFW Airport, and I, who had come in a little bit earlier, I was in Paris, Texas with Alice's family waiting for the wedding. I would come to DFW, two-hour drive, to pick Tim up and bring him back for the wedding. That was the plan. Um, <clears throat> so Tim came, and i tell you what, it was a big sacrifice for him. At that point, both of us were poorer than church mice. You talk about church mice being poor. I mean, we didn't have anything we had i mean we just graduated from college and uh and yet tim sacrificed and he scrounged up to buy his airfare back and forth to come see me and he also brought as a wedding gift the only possession he owned of any value was his guitar because he figured okay you're going to be a youth pastor you got to have a guitar (laughs) so he brought me as a wedding gift his only possession which was this guitar scrounged down to buy his airfare and he flew in to dfw airport was an evening flight and i was supposed to pick him up i was two hours away in paris texas what could go wrong i forgot him i know you're shocked i know you hate me right now it's 43 years i hate me i still hate me for this Totally forgot. Now, this is for before cell phones. He couldn't just come in and say, hey, buddy, where are you? He spent all night sleeping in American Airlines Terminal. Next morning, he came out on the sidewalk, waited for me out there. He's got his backpack and the guitar as a gift for me. I've stood him up. He finally gets a, a phone book and is able to find Alice's parents' number and calls the house it's the next morning and we're having this big breakfast and we're just having this big time and then tim calls he says uh where are you (laughs) he was there all night went out in the august heat in texas and slept on the sidewalk so anyway i finally uh, he got me on the phone i said don't tim i'm so sorry i hustled up it was still two hours to go pick him up and here's the miracle of the thing He didn't kill me whenever I got there. (laughs) He actually gave me the guitar and actually stood for me in the thing. And um, he remains one of my best friends in the world. He's an attorney down in Austin now, doing much better. In spite of being forgotten and left destitute and alone and homeless on a hot sidewalk at DFW Airport by his best friend. 
See, Tim was a faithful friend to me. He was with me. He was for me. He made great sacrifices to be with me and for me. But I wasn't a very good friend to him. I don't want to do that to Jesus. Do you? Jesus is with us. He is for us. He has gone to such lengths to be with us and for us. To be our advocate in this broken world. To bring salvation, healing, and hope. To bring the peace and joy of his presence. What a great friend he is. Don't you want to be a good friend back? Let me give you two quick things that you can do to be a good friend back to Jesus. And I do believe that this should motivate us. Is to recognize what a great friend he is to us. But also our obligation now to be a friend to him. The first good way not to fail Jesus as a friend is simply this. Spend time with him every day of your life. He is with us. You be with him. It's very simple. It's not complicated. John 15, 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. When's he going to make known to you the cool stuff about his father if you never spend time with him as his friend? It's not rocket science. We want to be a good friend to Jesus. We've got to spend time with him every day. You know what? A great way to do that. Coming into the new year here at IBC. Our pastor Barry has laid out a whole year of of sermons and readings. Uh, We're we're going to cover the entire New Testament this year at IBC. We have the journals and we're going to go through. And, and, and what is that? What is preaching through the, the New Testament and going deeper uh, in, in the scriptures with, with ministry initiatives that are designed to take us deeper into scripture? We're going to do this as a church. Just do that. Because all that is not just about being busy. It's about being with Jesus. Because what do you think you're going to be learning about when you go through the whole New Testament this year? You're going to learn about him. You're going to be spending time with him. So the first way not to fail Jesus as a friend is to spend time with him every day of your life. The second way to not fail him as your friend is to be an advocate for him every day of your life. Be an advocate for him. Before him. Your family, your work, and your school, everywhere you go, everything you do, consciously be an advocate for him. You say, how, Andy? Well, Jesus says this in John 15, 7. If you remain in me, Jesus is speaking to you, his friends, and me. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What Jesus is saying, I want you to be fruitful disciples because when you are, 
You are advocating for me in my glory, in my Father's glory. You are for me when you bear much fruit. Advocate for him. Bear fruit in your life. Talk about Jesus and the fruit that he's born in your life to your friends. Be for him and be with him. And so that's the future. It's not the past. That's the greatest Christmas miracle of all that Jesus is our faithful friend. But now we have our marching orders for the next year to go into the future. Let's be his friend. He is our faithful friend. Let's be faithful as friends to him. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. For more information on how to join us on a Sunday or take your next step, visit irvingbible.org.